You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Nick Mehta, the founder and CEO at Gainsight. So when you look at companies, they have like churn codes, like why do they churn? What do you see on there? You see things like price, competition, change in stakeholder, acquisition, you know, low satisfaction, right? Like what do you even do with those? And the problem is those aren't the root causes. Hi there. This is a very special podcast for us. And uh, Daniel, why is that? Indeed it is. We actually have, for us at least, two big announcements. Number one, this is actually our 100th episode. We've been at it for quite some time, Thomas. Absolutely. Yeah. And who could have imagined that we would end up here, right? Not only running a podcast, but being a part of a great community, you know, meeting up thousands of people at the events and running hundreds of network meetings all all through the year. Yeah, exactly. And actually, we wanted to take this opportunity in this uh, podcast at the actually end of it to talk a little bit about, you know, the highlights, some of the learnings. God knows we've had some, um, how should I say this, pitfalls or uh, smaller accidents, but I guess we can reveal those at the end. And then the second thing and the second reason why this is a milestone episode for us and this is a really big one for us, Thomas, right? Yeah. Why is that? We are actually dropping the SaaS Nordic name, uh, both for the podcast and our operation and so on. And, you know, it's a little bit, you know, killing your <laughs> your darling or, or baby here. We started out at SaaS Nordic interviewing Nordic SaaS leaders. Now we have gone beyond that to the Baltics and also to other regions outside of the Nordics. And uh, yeah, and it really feels like, you know, sassiest is what got stuck with uh, with people in the community so happy to be just 100% sassiest from now on exactly and for the ones that are like me if you love the helmet it still lives in our heart the the symbol for sass nordic it will still live in our hearts but we want to make sure that everybody is welcome and sassiest is a much more encompassing name compared to what it used to be yeah and instead of wearing um viking helmet today we are wearing the the disco helmets instead that we had at sassiest so we we look ridiculous but yeah. uh, that's on us maybe there will be some pictures from from this also out in the social channels and, and we think we're going to bring them to sasta right show the the americans how how we do it here exactly exactly i think uh, I, I wrote somewhere on LinkedIn, somebody had a comment like, of course, you should bring the helmets. And I felt like, of course, like we wrote on our ESTA forms, why are you coming to, to the US? What is your purpose? We go there to disco. So if you are, are at Saster and if you find two fools with disco helmets, it's Daniel and Thomas. Come and say hi. Yeah. So from now on, it's the sassiest podcast. It's the sassiest community. And it's the sassiest everything. Everything. <laughs> and today we have a really sassy guest, and we are super excited to um, to have him here in the hundredth episode. And Daniel, the short teaser. Who is it? Um, it's a gentleman that has been in the SaaS game for quite some time. Uh, he runs uh, a company called Gainsight. Uh, that, if that's not a teaser enough, he's the founder and the CEO, and a really strong voice in the community for everybody that's in the B2B SaaS space. So without further ado, 
why don't we bring on Nick Meta to the show? Absolutely. And if you want to hear more internal stuff, stay on after the interview. Here we go. Today, we are super happy to welcome Nick Meta, the CEO and founder at Gainsight here as a guest in the Sassiest Podcast, the hundreds episode. So welcome, Nick. Thank you so much. And I, I don't know if the folks listening wouldn't know this, but you guys look very sassy today with these uh, <laughs> disco balls. Disco balls on your head? Is that the best way to describe it, I think? We, we call these the disco helmets. Uh-huh. And actually, a lot of our, our followers and, and people in the community, they're actually seeing them in action on the dance floor at our big event. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You never you should never see me on the dance floor because it's just not a good thing. Maybe with this though, I could maybe I'd learn how to dance. So that's good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And the fun thing, a CEO in our CEO network actually made a what do you say? A head spin? Yeah, the break dancers, they spin on the head on the helmet. Yeah. yeah. No way. Yeah. And we're going to Sasta next week. And uh, we ask on LinkedIn if you should bring the helmets. And well, yeah, <laughs> we're bringing the helmets. It's overwhelming, I'm sure. Yeah. Everyone wants a helmet. So, I mean, you probably have done a lot of podcasts, Nick. And, and there's a lot of people that, that know you in the community here. But have you ever done a podcast where the host had disco helmets on? No, it's, it's interesting. It actually surprisingly is my first. You know, you would have thought by now I would have had multiple of these. And I feel like this is a good example where you can always grow in your career, right? Like I'm kind of looking at you, like the, the, the light is reflecting back. I can barely see. I mean, this is really cool. There you go. Hey, awesome. It's so great to have you here. And I think there's a lot of people obviously listening to this podcast that know who you are. But in the off chance, there's somebody that doesn't. Like, why don't you give us the, the short background? Right? Who is Nick? Ah, who is Nick? Yeah. That takes a long time to explain. Nick's a human. Nick's, Nick makes bad dad jokes to the kids. Nick is somehow into Taylor Swift, even though he's 46 years old. Um, Nick is reads a lot of physics and philosophy, but also is into SaaS. A lot of things. But within the business world, I've been um, intact 25 years, so definitely old. Um, started in kind of the traditional enterprise software, like before the cloud, and then kind of been in the cloud sort of world for like 15 years. Um, most, you know, recently, notably last about almost 11 years running Gainsight when we launched it in 2013. And, um, you know, most folks know probably Gainsight's all about helping you drive better net retention for your business and better outcomes for your customers. We started with the product to scale customer success teams. Now we actually have four products. We've one around customer education and training, one around customer community, one around um, your product adoption and product analytics, and then our core customer success product. Awesome. So that's what we Hey, I, I got to ask if we just go back a little bit, because I'm an expert in dad jokes. Do you just have one that you go to when you meet new people? It's like, boom, here's my go-to dad joke. Well, it's it's funny. There's so, I follow the dad joke things on on Twitter, on you know, TikTok and things like that. There's so much like good content. And it's interesting because my dad jokes are just really bad. Like they're not like creative and funny. They're just like terrible. But I will say there's one that I kind of think I invented, although I don't know, which is um, it was basically why can you never trust a jungle cat, like a cat, kind of one of these cats in the jungle. And the answer is they're a bunch of, bunch of lion cheetahs. <laughs> uh, so there you go. I, I think I made that one. You can never tell if you made a joke yeah. or somebody else did it. And you, but that was one. That, then there's a lot of jokes that are just really bad. And I kind of make them. Is there someone that your kids, they are just, oh, dad, not that one. Every one, Thomas. Every <laughs> single one. Like daily, my wife especially. Oh, my gosh. There's like a the mix of eye rolls and groans to laughter. is like It's like eye rolls and groans and occasional laughter. So. But you, you know, I. I at least I think, like deep inside, 
they find humor in it. They they, they enjoy it. And like, and if you, if they don't hear it a day, they go like, "What's what's wrong with Nick?" Or what's what's it's, the, what's, it's what's, part what's, of their daily. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's kind of like um, you know, there's something called the Stockholm syndrome, where like you you have a captor, and sometimes you actually get attracted to them. And it's kind of the same thing where they're like, "Why am I into these jokes?" My, especially my wife. Why does she actually like these jokes? But somehow she does. Yeah, awesome. I, I I'll give you what my go to one for the one that like who whoever cares here. Let's hear it. I'd love to. Nick, do you know why it's better to be here than right now being up in outer space? No, why? Because the atmosphere is greater here. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well done. I there like you that. go. Boom. Okay, but traveling back 11 years here again, you mentioned that um, you you started with Gainsight. Was, I mean, was customer success a thing then? or, or? Great question. Yeah, I mean, Thomas, like in, in the um, 2013... Uh, customer success was a thing in a small number of companies. I mean, we have to give credit where credit's due. Salesforce pioneered the whole cloud model. You know, it started in 1999, I think. And then, it, you know, my understanding is in 2004 or thereabouts, they were like they'd sold the software on the cloud, you know, obviously very much created the sole model. And then they started running into churn because they were selling into the more traditional model where they'd sell it and, you know, wait for a customer to call for support. And then they created this customer success concept in some of the early CSMs. But even they hadn't really leaned to it, into it by 2013. And there was a handful of other companies doing it. Workday, Box, you know, a couple of companies. Um, they were actually the ones that helped influence, you know, we think this is a thing. But if you looked at like the total number of CSMs, like the humans in the job in the world in 2013, my guess is it's somewhere between 500 and 1,000. And today it's probably about 300,000. Oh, wow. So you can see that growth in the job. And, you know, what we saw was in the early days, you were building software to help this job that doesn't exist. So if we just told the software, we were completely in trouble. So we decided instead to, like, market the job. Why is customer success important? Why is CSM important? You know, we've written books on it, run a big conference. And so it's all about the job. And now the job is well, it's well accepted at a theoretical sense now, what does it mean in company A, company B, company C? What do you focus on? How many do you need? These are the questions people ask, but they don't ask any more like why or what. It's more like how. Mm. Yeah, and, and and just from this notion that you know Salesforce were they were first at it, and there was a few other ones like like how did this come to you and be like I'm going to do this and Gainsight is going to take over the world here? Yeah, I don't have a Gainsight take over the world, but the way we um, I think there's a visceral moment too where one is them like. We had this, uh, we said, oh, you know, there's a new group of people. Maybe we could target them and try to help them. And we had this, um, you know, little, you know, call it a meetup in our office. We had this tiny office. It wasn't nice at all. And um, we kind of bought some, like, wine from the grocery store and those, like, cheese tra cheese trays with the crackers. And, and so it was, like, literally spent, like, 50 bucks on this thing. And, you know, we're like, hey, let's maybe 10, 15 people come. And, like, 75 people came into our, like, terrible office with the not very good food. And they were all talking to each other. And I was like, oh, that's some kind of community here where these people are in jobs where they don't realize there's other people like them and they can share their stories. And so then we decided to run this conference called Pulse. And the first time we ran it, we said, oh, let's get a hotel room in San Francisco, like, do it a little more professional. We had, you know, some speakers and CEO, CEOs that I knew and things like that. But we made the content not about Gainsight, but about the job. And so how much should you pay a customer success manager? Who owns the renewal? These kinds of things everyone wrestles with. Right. And so we, we didn't really talk about Gainsight at all. Anyways, we thought like 7,500 people would come. 300 people came that first year. And then it was like, I don't know, 
600, then 900, then 2000. And so basically that thing just exploded. Now I think most people would say it's the industry conference for customer success. We have one in Europe. We, we've done them in Sydney, New York, everywhere. And so that kind of showed us that there's this community that's longing for being together. And that's kind of been our ethos as a company is we sell software, but like the software is enabling this community to be great at their jobs. All right. But looking at, I mean, this was some kind of community-led growth exercise, right? And and you found your ideal customer profile there. But who is that? Is that a certain size of company or other types of parameters? Great question. Yeah. I think there's, you know, it's, some, it's interesting because we always talk about like, two customer profiles, right? There's the profile of who would be interested in the Gainsight universe and like the concepts and the community and all that. And then we have four products. So what's the profile for each of these products, right? And so that's kind of the profile of the products is a subset of the profile of the community. And for us, that's great because we build this community, we help people, gives us a lot of satisfaction. And over time, you know, a lot of them can be customers. So if you look to each of our products, I think folks listening probably have the same dynamic. Each product might be a slightly different ICP. So for our customer success product, which helps you scale customer success teams, make them more proactive, what we find is somewhere between 75 and 100 employees, you typically have enough CSMs that you don't want to just throw people at it. You have enough understanding your business to have some like sense of process and what needs to be repeatable. You might have some good leadership in place, right? When you're 20 people, you're just figuring it out. You're figuring out like literally what does the product do? Do people like it or not? And that's, to my opinion, way too early to buy any technology. So 75 to 100 in our CS business. But just as a contrast, we have some other products that I consider almost like foundations that you can do before CS. So we have this in-app guides technology. And that's something you should honestly do in the very beginning. It's very simple. It's cheap. We've got this... Um, training product. And that one, like training your customers, that one might make sense early if you have a very kind of like maybe more complex product or it might make sense later. And then we've got a community product where, where actually a lot of people do that even before the CS. So what the if I said the summary of all that, it's that customer success as a concept is a journey in your business. Right. Some of it's about the CSM, some's about the community, some's about the training, and you got to stitch together what do you need at different times. And obviously we're trying to be the vendor that can do all of it. So yeah. And, and looking at your product portfolio, has that been acquisitions when it comes to the other products? Or Yeah, yeah, great question. Yeah, so um, uh, three acquisitions. Now, P, the product adoption of the one, we bought this like basically technology. There was no revenue. And we, we've, we'd done, built on it for five years. So that's a little closer to homegrown. Um, but the two companies we bought more recently, uh, about a year and a half ago, we brought in, Insided, which became our Gainsight customer community. Yeah. And that was already well-known as kind of like the top community for SaaS companies. And they had lots of great logos like Gong and Miro and all these great companies using it. And that's really taken off. And then more recently, we bought a company called NorthPass just two months ago that is customer education for SaaS companies. So train your customers. And so those two are acquisitions. But one of the things we've done is said the number one priority when we buy these companies is just integration. Right. Because like, you know, the value prop is if anyone's listening that's a multi-product company, the value prop is how these things work together. So some examples like how do you get to the point where you can report on what's the impact on customers being trained? to your NPS? Mm. How do you be able to show the impact of customer community on retention? How do you get to the point where when you look at a customer 360 and Gainsight, you have all this activity, their adoption, 
the training, their community in like kind of one view. How do you make all this a nice journey for the customer where you're not spamming them with all these things at once for your end customer? You're kind of dripping them training invite, community invite, onboarding in a more kind of cohesive way. So to me, the integration of a platform is something companies don't spend enough time on. We're trying to do it differently. Just understand a little bit the, the size of the operation. What can you say when it comes to regards to ARR and growth? Yeah, so uh, two, 200, million, uh, 200 million of ARR, approximately, and about 1,300 people. Okay, cool. And uh, what markets are you? Are you global, or is it certain markets that you focus on? Global, yep. So we have a, we have a team, in, obviously a big team in the U.S., and then we have a team in London serving Europe. And um, and a lot lot of Europe, not you know UK, but also a lot of customers in Netherlands and Nordics and you know kind of all over France, Germany, and then we actually recently launched a team in Japan. Oh wow! Okay, because Japan's actually a pretty big technology market, very different, obviously, and so we have a local team there. And over time, other places we have customers in Australia, we have customers in you know South America, lots of customers in Canada. Um, we should have a, a, a small team in Canada as well. Okay, and how's your operation been funded over the years? I started venture capital, you know, so we, like a lot of companies early on, raised, you know, $150 million. So very fortunate to have capital to kind of get it going and create that market, build the software. And then it, um, we switched to like, okay, we're going to build a durable business. So we are profitable. We did a partnership uh, where we sold some of the company to Vista Equity Partners, which is a big private equity firm. They've been great. Mm -hmm. And so now it's very lucky in this tough economic climate that we're profitable, you know, generating meaningful amounts of profit, still growing too. And so that's kind of the new world. The, the new world of every company is, right. you know, building a sustainable business, right? Yeah, yeah awesome. And, and congratulations to you for, for fantastic 11 years. Let's hope for another fantastic 11 years to come here. Yeah. Uh, and, and speaking about, you know, we live in a new world. Like, you know, everybody has to, to build companies that are sustainable and need, need to show profit and so on. Right. And in, in our community, we've been discussing churn a lot. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of software companies out there that have seen more churn yes. than they probably had planned for and wished for. Because the, the economy and everything e else. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I know you have a take on this, but the oldest question in the game here from a CS perspective is like, you know, let's ask the customer why they churn. Yeah. That will produce a certain set of answers. But we understood that you might have some thoughts that that question alone is not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, the problem is it gives you like information that is both incomplete and not actionable, right? So when you look at companies, they have like churn codes, like why do they churn? What do you see on there? You see things like price, competition, change in stakeholder, acquisition, right? Um, you know, low satisfaction, right? Like, what do you even do with those? And the problem is, those aren't the root causes. They're not, right? So if somebody leaves because of price, part of that is that they're not getting enough value or they're not sticky enough that they will leave because of price. Right. If they, they think of you as kind of a commodity, if they leave because of a stakeholder change, That means your product wasn't sticky enough in the business such that it was all dependent on that one person. Right. If they leave because of acquisition, a little harder, but it means that the product wasn't core enough to the operation that the acquirer said, hey, we got to keep this. Right now, it's, these are hard. These aren't easy. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit like, in my opinion, it's like health, right? So, I mean, sad, but like not to be too morbid. Like when somebody passed away, you could say, why did they pass away? Well, their heart stopped and they stopped breathing, right? I mean, that's probably consistently what happens. Right. But that's not why, you know, that's not an actionable thing, right? So then it's like, okay, why did that happen? Well, they started developing heart disease and they had a heart attack. And why did that happen? Well, 
they started getting, you know, I don't know, cholesterol in their arteries. I'm not an expert for right, sure. Right, and right. then why did that happen? You know, maybe it's like lifestyle or genetics or not taking the right medicine. And so if you're a doctor, you want to intervene like way early, right? And, and like solve the root cause. If you're a doctor that's intervening at the very end, you're not a very good doctor, right? And actually in healthcare, sometimes that is what happens where people intervene at the very end and that's just not a good situation. Right. So in, in a way less serious, way less important world of the business businesses, you know, what we have to do is say, what are the things that really drove this and are actionable? And so the way, one of the reasons, the way as I ask this is not why did a customer churn? So why do your customers stay? Okay. So why do they stay? And it could be um, the person there has a great relationship with you. But then if that's the thing, then if they leave, you know, you're in trouble. It could be that um, the users love the product and it could be, that's great. And that means that if the CFO doesn't care about the users and they just want to save money, that could be a problem. It could be that, um, you know, you're driving really great outcomes for the business, meaning like ROI and all that. And that means it's important to show that to the buyer, right? That they really are getting value. Um, it could be that um, they love the innovation you have in your roadmap. And that means you got to keep showing that innovation, doing roadmap sessions and so on. And so I think it's important to understand, like, why does somebody stay? Right. Gainsight, you know, we've had customers with us like 11 years. I've actually thought about that. I'm like... You know, what Workday has been a customer basically like a decade. So why? Right? Like what are the reasons that we became so sticky and important that we're there so long through so many organizational changes and business changes and so on? And so I think the way to think about it is just, of course, like why did they churn? You should probably track it. But why are they staying? And then what can we do more to make people stay? Right. So that's a very interesting approach. And I have to ask you, I think I know the answer, but I still have to ask you like, how often do you ask your customers why they still stick around? It's a good question. It's funny because I don't even know if you can ask it. I mean, you can certainly ask it. So we ask our customers all the time, you know, what value are you getting from us? We do NPS surveys. We have advisory boards. We have all those things. So we get a lot of data. Right. I don't even know if it's something that you just ask or you look at the situation. You might ask people. So, for example, you could look at their NPS of the account, right? So what is the net promoter score of the account across all the stakeholders? You could look at their adoption. You can look at all these things. And then you have to sort of say, okay, let's look back and say those customers that, you know, stayed with us so long, what were the things that were common? So we do this. So, for example, a very simple example everyone can do is what's, what are the features that are what we call sticky, right? So customers that say a long time, what are they using that maybe other customers aren't? Mm -hmm. In our case, it could be we have a lot of automation capabilities in Gainsight. So very simplistically in our CS product, there's stuff you can do that helps you like as a user day to day, really great note taking and workflow and like kind of like task tracking and all that. And then there's stuff that like automates, right? And you can imagine that if you're just using that basic note taking workflow, it's kind of like you go to another work, work, note taking workflow system versus like the automation is pretty unique. And so one of the things I would encourage people to do is think about what are the things in your product that like everyone uses, but they're not really unique. Let's pick an example everyone relates to. Video conferencing. So if you are doing a video conferencing as a user mm -hmm. and you just use, you know, start the meeting, share your screen, see the participants, right? Um, maybe chat. Every single product does it. Like 100% of the products do it. So whether you're using Zoom or Google Meet or Microsoft Teams or whatever else is out there, you're going to feel like the same. So what that means is that vendor is very vulnerable because the next time another vendor comes in and says, hey, we'll do whatever you're doing with that other vendor. We'll make it 50% cheaper. We'll include it in our overall deal. That vendor can get boxed up. So what does Zoom and everyone else need to do? Like Zoom's a Gainsight customer. They need to keep 
escalating the value of what they're delivering and specifically get people to use the advanced features that other people, other vendors don't have, right? So Zoom has all kinds of AI stuff and things like that. So they need people to use that so they can be more sticky. So I think that's like the, if you just think about like how do you get people to stay, it's like what are the characteristics of customers that stay a long time? Right. Hmm. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My News Desk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My News Desk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. One thing we've heard over and over again in our community now, people say like, you know, uh, the guy or the gal that I was our go-to person, she's no longer there or the, or the department has left. And like, like when, when you hear these type of discussions, like, you know, what's your advice? I think everybody has heard certain type of advice, but how do you prevent this dependency on one champion? Absolutely. So there's a few parts of it. There's, I think, what you can do proactively which is exactly, Daniel, what you're alluding to. Like, why do you only have one champion? <laughs> so that's hard. But there's a lot you can do there tactically. Like, of course, you know, your CS leader could reach out to maybe the CFO or the COO or other people, right, in the organization right. so that you have more contacts. And, like, there's different ways to do that, by the way. Like, if let's say you have a vendor relationship where your customer is, like, a director of marketing or something, Right. If you reach out to the CFO or COO and say, hey, I want to tell you about what we're doing, let's say, I'll go talk to my director of marketing. But if you have like content and events and community, that's like, let's say example, let's say you're a MarTech vendor, what, how CFO should think about measuring marketing, right? Every CFO wonders that and nobody's figured it out. So if you have that event or that webinar or that blog post or whatever, and you go to the CFO and say, I'd love to share what we're seeing on that. Now you've got another relationship in the company. Right. So now that director of marketing leaves, you get another some other support, mm. right? Now you could go the other way and you could say, hey, I'm working with this director of marketing, but we actually have these like individual users using the platform. Let's build a relationship with them, right? Let's do a, a session for marketing analytics people and bring them all together in like some virtual group, right? And so I think it like it's about engaging people, not just like doing a call with them, right? So that's that's before. Mm. Okay, now you don't always control it. Now the person leaves, your key stakeholder, what do you do? So a few things that are super important. Number one is work really, move really fast. So you got to know it happened. Like Gainsight, we have a feature that tells you it happened. What, whatever you want, you need to know, like LinkedIn or whatever, you got to know it happened, mm. right? You got to be on it like that day. And I, by the way, you sometimes find out they're leaving even before they're on LinkedIn because they might tell you or you hear through the grapevine. Right. So then what you want to do is, in my opinion, a few things. Number one, when the new person comes on, get on the radar. So a very simple thing we do, when a new CS leader comes in, we send them like a nice bottle of you know, champagne or whatever, right? And they appreciate it. Um, so get them on the radar. Next thing, um, call the people that left and actually talk to them. And by the way, one thing you can do is just try to offer to help career-wise, and you should. And then second is, you know, hey, what? how should we think about our relationship with that company going forward? They will be super honest with you because they're not there anymore. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Especially if they liked you. They will be like, yeah, you know, here's what you got to do. Here's the people I have to convince. It's an uphill battle, whatever it is, right? So you'll know what's going on. Third thing then is you, the new sponsor, you ask for a meeting with them. But but before you do the meeting, 
talk to some of the people underneath them and say, hey, may hope you have these user relationships. And, and actually, the more junior the person, the better. And you say, get on the call with them or email or text and say, hey, um, I saw so-and-so is leaving. Um, new person came in. Just curious, like, what did they talk about in that first, like, all-hands meeting as priorities? And that's the thing you got to think about is what are the priorities of this new leader? By the way, I almost guarantee the priorities aren't directly tied to your technology, right? <laughs> they they're, not, they're not like, the new leader is not like, hey, we should get a lot more out of Gainsight. You know, I think eventually that might be true. Like we get that sometimes because we're more like a standard now and they might've used us before. But especially your younger company, they're not like thinking, how do we get more out of your technology? They're thinking, I want to launch a new product. We need to turn around our customer experience. We need to take, make our team morale better, right? Like I talked to somebody recently and he's like, a new CS leader, and, and I, I, you know, I was trying to see if there's an opportunity for Gainsight, and I'm like, what's your priorities? He's like, my team's falling apart and everyone quit. I was like, I don't think it's the right time to buy Gainsight. <laughs> like, you need to focus on that, right? So I try to help him find people, and at some point, he'll be a good prospect. And so talk to the lower-level people, figure out the priorities. Now you get this, get this call with the, the stakeholder. Don't ask for like an hour call with this new person. They'll never do it. Ask for 30 minutes, super targeted email that's something like, hey, I saw, I know you you just joined, um, congratulations. Um, I can imagine you're figuring out your, your strategy and your priorities. I've heard maybe these are the things that are on your mind right now, you know, kind of based on what you learned. And then um, I'd love to get, I'd even ask like 25 minutes to make it really feel small and say, I'd love to get 25 minutes to do a few things. Number one, of course, understand your priorities better, but also share with you what we've observed about your team and what they're doing and also what other companies are doing and maybe make some connections to you for those other companies. Because mm. what is the executive value? They value outside-in input. They value comparing themselves to peers and they value getting introduced to other clients. And so that's when I get on a call with the stakeholder, that's all I talk about. I'm like, yeah, we can tell you about what we're doing with Gainsight, what we can do more, but what are your priorities? You know, um, let me tell you about what my team says about your team. Here's other companies doing it really well and you want some intros. Those things are gold. Yeah, this was some really great advice. I mean, very hands-on, and I, I think our listeners feel, will, you know, follow these uh, tips here. Yeah. But one thing that I think about in general when it comes to the customer success role is that, you know, it's quite a challenging role. You yeah. have to be well, very multi-talented or, or yes. so, and you mentioned also, you know, if, if you want to expand into the company, uh, you know, contact the CFO or something. It's, you know, it's a lot of, it's a bre- lot of breadth. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, many salespeople are struggling with, you know, yeah. um, those kind of um, exercises. Yeah. So h- how can you as a CSM take that step? It's so hard, you know, so I think the first thing is don't, don't try to do everything, right? So I've always felt like CSMs have some common attributes that everyone should have, for example, grit, you know, kind of the ability to persist through things, right. curiosity, you know, wanting to learn about the customer, and then like ability to work cross-functionally, both insert internally as well as with the customer. You kind of have to have some of those foundational skills. But then, you know, you could be a more technical CSM who's really good at connecting with technical buyer. You could be more relationship kind of account manager type CSM. You could be a more um, consultative CSM, right? Or you could be more executive alignment CSM. Mm. I personally think that a lot of people would like to do last, right? But it takes some work. You have to learn how to connect with executives, build rapport, run a big meeting. And we had Gainsight, I have some people who are amazing at that. And we have some CSMs that haven't learned that yet. And so what do you want to do? Obviously, give them more opportunity, learn from other people, but realize that the job is still valuable in those other areas. And then what, what can happen is, let's say you don't have that experience yet. Use your manager. 
So what we do a lot is for those less experienced CSMs, the manager reaches out to the CFO or the director or the VP. Hey, um, I'd love to talk to you about what we're doing and some outside ideas. I'm going to bring your CSM along as well. And so the CSM and the director, by the way, could even be your CEO, could like use your executive team. And so Gainsight, we do this all the time. Like we had a call with a stakeholder. They were using Gainsight really well, but we hadn't engaged with them. And we had a call Monday and, you know, I sent the email so that she, she got did the meeting, but then she got connected to my team and now she's going to meet with the team, right? And so I think this idea of using the executive team or leadership to kind of get the meeting and run that first one and then build the relationship to kind of go take it from there. Okay, good. Thanks. No problem. That, that's really interesting. And, uh, we actually also asked the community here, like, you know, we have Nick, Nick online here today. What should we ask him? And there was uh, all kinds of questions. Uh, <laughs> and one question you've already touched upon it a little bit was, I think a lot of people are fighting tooth and nail now yeah. to, to still stick around in the tech stack, you know, because somebody, the champions have told them, like, I'm going to have to kick something out. It's either you or these guys. Yeah, right. Like, is there a standard way to show ROI? Like what's your advice here? Like how frequently and how do you demonstrate the ROI? Do you send a report or do you sit in QBRs or? Yeah, so we have a couple different ways and I think ROI is sort of a, it's like a term that means too many different things, right? So I think what we have is this term called um, verified outcomes. So is there an outcome that is quantitative that the, the person we work with would attest to in writing and that we could use later on with the CFO or procurement or whatever. So that's like what concept. We pay our CSMs partially based on how many of their clients have verified outcomes. We track them. We can do a dashboard of which clients have them, which ones don't. Um, and so now how do you get those? Well, obviously you have to drive value in the product and you'll give them to use it and all that. But then what you want to do is really pull those stories out from them, right? Because what happens is they, the customer doesn't even think about it. But they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I was able to send this email through your product and actually got like a million dollars of leads out of it. I'm like, wow, that's a great story, you know? Right. And so then you can build almost like a pitch to the CFO that says, here's all the things we're doing and here's the value you're getting. I think the ideal pitch, by the way, is it's something like the following. Here's what you're using. Well, here's what we do. Here's what you're using, right? And adoption or whatever. Here's the feedback from the users. Maybe there's some quotes, NPS. And then here's the outcomes you're getting. And by the way, here's what more we can do for you in the future in terms of roadmap or products or whatever. Right. CFOs love something like that. And you can even, by the way, if you can't get a meeting, what I would consider doing is record like a five-minute video. You know, there's a lot like Loom and Cloud. Uh, there's a bunch of videos that let you, tools that let you for free record a video. Make a video to the CFO and say, hey, I'm from so-and-so company. And I just want to tell you, like, you're, you, we're, we're a vendor to you. You're probably figuring out your vendor strategy. Here's what we do. Here's what we do for you, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's, it's not just like a dollar amount ROI. It's sort of thinking about the case for why you want to work with them. Yeah. Awesome. Another question that actually came via the community was, you know, earned growth has been a popular topic and yeah. should CSM have quota or not? But the specific question was, if you have strong relationships, or you think at least you have strong relationships, should the CSMs start asking for referrals. Yes, absolutely. And and you mean referrals externally, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it depends on your product, by the way, the nature. If it's a transactional product, in other words, it's a very low price, simple product, I think referral is great. Um, and I think one of the things I actually, I remember a sales training long time ago was like, every time you kind of close a deal, actually even before you go live, 
you say, you know, hey, this it's really great. You got to learn about us. Are there other people we should be talking to, like in your community, just to get to know them? And then they'll do intros, right? Like, that's great. Um, and if it's transactional, I think you can go straight to like, that's a deal or whatever. If it's a little bit more of a longer sales cycle, what I would consider is they introduce you to other folks. You don't make it too transactional, just kind of building a network. But then later on, you know, that person, your, your customer could be a reference for you, right? And so I think that it's like the introductions, but it's also the advocacy and references, all of that. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. We, we kind of incent our, our CSMs for some of those advocacy. For example, right now we're doing a lot of G2. G2 is the rating site. Right. And we, we, we're like, the, you know, number one in CS, but want to keep that going. And so really um, incenting CSMs to say every year review you get, like a $100 gift card or whatever. So I think making sure the CSMs are helping with advocacy is a big opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And, and then this lady that brought forward the, the question, she even had this concept that they worked with. I have no idea if it's right or wrong, but they have their CSMs uh, look up the person that they're talking to and see who, what other CSMs is this person connected to LinkedIn. And they go like, hey, we've known each other for some time. Do you mind introducing me to Julie, Steve, and whatever? So they're that direct and that specific. And it seems to work for them. It works really well. Yeah, all this relationship-based yeah. introductions yeah. is a no-brainer. Yeah. All right. And here's another question. The third question from, from the audience is, uh, and take it for what it is. Uh, it's actually from one of your employees, starting with... Oh, wow, I love it. <laughs> from uh, His name starts with Rem, ends with Cole. I might have heard of him. Like, I might have heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> you can't trust that guy. He's like, so, yeah. you got to ask Nick about his shoes. Oh, my God. I'm not God. sure where, where we're going from this. Like, tell us about your shoes. What, what shoes are you wearing today? See, the problem is, people ask me this when I'm at home. I'm like, oh, I'm just wearing <laughs> socks. I'm in my home office. Probably just like you guys, right? I don't wear shoes in the house. So... Um, that, that is not, you know, what, what, right now it's not a great question, but I do have fun with shoes and, you know, I think everyone has their own thing that they do. Somehow I became a shoe guy. So I have more shoes in my house than anyone else, including my wife, way more. So like I've got my own shoe, shoe section and yeah. So I definitely am trying to cut back because I have a problem. It's a little <laughs> bit like if you guys bought multiple disco ball hats, at some point a friend would talk to you and say, hey, guys, you have a problem. Like the first one made sense, but we're on the 13th one. And I'm in that zone for shoes right now. So. I think we would have a problem if we buy a second one, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Even second at that point, you might have. I think one is the right amount. So Yeah. So, But is it sneakers or fancy shoes or all kinds of stuff? It's a mix. I like the sneakers, the cool Jordans or whatever. And I like kind of the um, fancy, like there's, you know, Christian Louboutin, which are like a cool brand. And, yeah. And they kind of have like, some of them have like spikes on them. So like, if anyone messes with me, I could just kick them. Like, cause I don't, <laughs> I can't really fight, but like, that's my only thing I could defend myself with. So yeah. I've seen you online with the golden boots. Let's just put it that way. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's seen some version of the shoes if you watch me <laughs> online. So, yeah. right. So uh, you've been on it uh, 11 years now with Gainsight. You yeah. have widened your product portfolio. So what's next for, for Gainsight uh, the next few years? Yeah, broadly it's, it's two things. It's, um, we want to be the platform for the entire post-sales experience. So right now, the problem is the post-sales experience in companies is so fragmented, right? Emails about community and training and, and in-app guides and all these things are very fragmented. So we want to fill all the gaps in that and then integrate it very tightly so that you have a great experience for your customer, but also you can run a business that's driving great net retention. And we think that's a huge opportunity. Every company is moving to these kind of recurring business models where it's not just about the initial land, it's ongoing revenue. We want to be the company that does all of that. And we're already on our way. 
And then the second thing is, it's obviously a ridiculously good use case for AI. So we have a huge amount of AI innovation like this year. So, you know, everything from autumn, this one's really cool. It's already out, which is automatically when you're about to meet a customer, like as an executive, you get this automated preparation through AI, generate AI, like here's what you need to know. Here's the key people. Zero human involvement, which is kind of kind of crazy. Um, all the other stuff that's common, like email writing through AI, but even other things like we have this community. What if the community can be moderated by an AI bot, right? Like, you know, chat on your community, all these kinds of things. And then one of the other ones that's, you know, very popular, I think everyone's doing it, but it's popular, will be like, no, right, time, right now, people take notes in Gainsight, they enter stuff. How do you eliminate all data entry? Because mm. we can integrate, we're like just next quarter, we're going to have, you know, integration with the video, like Zoom or whatever, or Gong, pull that in, take the transcript, turn it into notes and action items, push it into Gainsight, assign the action items to other people. I mean, it's crazy, but this stuff is actually possible now. Um, so yeah, a lot coming. I know we're almost up on the clock, but um, yeah, this is super fun. Absolutely. So we have a great community listening in here. So I uh, want to give you an opportunity to... Yeah, is there something that anyone can help you with? Something you're looking for? It could be new shoes. It could be a company to acquire, or something completely different. <laughs> well, new shoes are always welcome. Although maybe, maybe uh, right now uh, I got to slow down a little bit. Um, <laughs> so you know, I think that um, you know, I think one of the things I love is just hearing from people about how CS is evolving and how the whole post sales experience is evolving. So feel free. I'm on LinkedIn. I post a lot, like every day. And um, it's really just to have a conversation, you know? So I posted um, about this, you know, why do customers stay, right? I post about like, how do people break into the customer success field as job seekers? Right. You know, what do you look for in a, in a CS leader? And so every day I have something, you know, today, today I'm going to post about how can CSMs generate leads for sales and like, what are the things that are working? Mm. So please join the conversation. You can follow me. And honestly, I just love to learn and hear from everyone. Is there another CS leader that uh, you think that we should try to get on the show? Another CEO? No, uh, yeah, it could be CEO, but it could also just be, uh, you know, someone in, in customer success that is really worth listening to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my biased answer is Kelly Capote, our chief customer. She's amazing. <laughs> you should totally talk to her. And then, yeah, I mean, there's so many people that I think are very sharp. Like one person that comes to mind, that I think has done this a few times and has a really good thought process is Erin Siemens, um, E-R-I-N-S-I-E-M-E-N-S. She's at Anaplan, which is a SaaS company that was public on Ticket Private. She's done this a few times. Very thoughtful, great speaker. I think you'd enjoy talking to her. Awesome. We'll definitely reach out to her and, and see if we can get her here. Uh, Nick, this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure. And I'm sure we will, of course, engage in, in the conversation. Our community will as well. I have to ask you, have you rearranged your calendar for April next year? Are you coming to Sassiest? Oh, that's interesting. I have not. Uh, I'm traveling less now, but you know, I'd love to if the schedule's aligned. So thank you so much for having me. And this has been super fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. See you around. Thanks so much. So Daniel, what's your takeaways from this episode number 100 with Nick? I love that he was so tangible in everything he said. You know, there's a lot of uh, great stuff in here that you can actually just, you know, listen to the episode and you'll be a little bit wiser, a little bit smarter, some things you can start implementing right away. I'm going to go with the one that's so obvious, but worth mentioning. And it's this entire thing about the preventive work. It's one thing to ask, you know, after the fact, why did the customer churn? It's not gonna help you win back the customers or anything. And also in this case, we learned that it might not help you understand the real causes for why customers churn. So I like the fact that he flipped it around a little bit and went with the question like, understand why your customers are sticking around. 
That is the real question here. And if you understand that, you can prevent churn at some point. So obvious, but great one. What about you, Thomas? Yeah. Well, I just loved how he got very concrete when it comes to what, what happens if someone quits, right? Mm. I mean, find the new person on LinkedIn or reach out to the previous one, talk to him about the situation, and, and he will probably give you a lot of valuable information and I mean just do that work right and that will mean that you you will have to do some outreach reaches and stuff but you will be so much better prepared and not just being there you know three months later and things have already moved on without you being a part of it so yeah taking that time I think uh, is super valuable and uh, you know I was so happy that he went into those nitty-gritty tips and tricks that you can start doing tomorrow. Definitely. And, and one thing that's you know clear in the conversation here and based on how he answers these questions is that as a CSM, you have to be really great at building these relationships. And, and I'm not talking about you know kumbaya relationships only. What's wrong with kumbaya relationships? No, they're, they're great, but it's like you, they need to be strong enough where you can have some of these conversations, ask for the favor, ask for doing things together with your champion and so on. And that can only happen if there's you know mutual trust, mutual respect, uh, but building those really strong relationship is key. And, and I guess it goes without saying that it's nothing you build overnight. You, you gotta be delivering value to your counterpart over there to build that trust, to build a relationship in order for you to some point down the line ask for something in return yeah and you know what what recording an episode with the disc helmet is not sort of the most convenient way of doing it so uh <laughs> let's uh, let's skip that for now maybe we take it again when we do 250 or something like that All right, Daniel, as we said in the beginning of the episode, we should go down history lane a little bit. So um, it's been, what is it? We are approaching three years soon. Can it be so? Right in November, yep, November 3rd, this will be the three-year anniversary of the podcast. And man, man it's, it's, been a, it's been a ride. I know you were like a little bit of a podcast uh, superstar uh, once we started this, but uh, I can say for myself, like, never done a podcast, never wasn't used to recording. I mean, it's been such a rewarding uh, journey. Much thanks to, and not in any way do I believe that I'm suddenly a great interviewer, but it's like, it's so much fun to have these guests on that are so willing to share and then make these conversations really fluent. But I feel like, you know, the entire show has has evolved through time and I, I feel as an individual like you know I, I have involved so it, it's been really rewarding these three years recording these podcasts and if there's one thing I will say that really sticks with me is consistency pays off yeah it really pays off and we know that we sometimes miss to release on a Thursday and you know we have started also making even more episodes so we started out to every second week and we have tried to do once or twice a week and we're gonna continue with that and as you said this has much been a personal journey um, a lot of learnings and uh, new relationships and I think that's uh, part of why this is so fun as well you meet so many great people all the time so um, it never feels dull going to work uh, or so and, and people you know are asking well you're sitting at home 
uh, every day in front of the computer? Doesn't it get lonely or anything like that? I mean, this is the most social like endeavor I've ever been on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, looking back these hundred episodes that we've done, Thomas, if, if we start with the good parts, like, you know, is there something that stands out beyond just getting to know all these fantastic, you know, talented SaaS folks? What has been the thing that you feel like, wow, that has been so rewarding? I mean, the, the boring answer here is doing it together. I think that's a great answer. We have so much <laughs> fun behind the scenes, you know, working with the script, the writing small messages to each other, giving, you know, directions and so on. So, I mean, it's it's very much live. It's not scripted beforehand. And, and we try, you know, to, uh, to, to sort of, um, yeah, see where the discussion goes, uh, try to find angles or, or things that might be interested. But, but I mean, it's our own curiosity that, that drives the talks. And um, yeah, you should see in the behind the scenes uh, stuff. It's, it can be quite hilarious. And, and I can just echo what you said, Thomas. Like, frankly, we started this entire adventure just because we, we needed to find an excuse to hang out more together. Yeah, a And exactly. whatever we do, wherever we go, the podcast will always continue here. I think that's a little bit the backbone of of sassiest. The thing with podcast is that you never know who's listening, right? If you do an event, you know who's the attendee. If you have a, a network group, you know who's a part of it. But the podcast, it's just broadcast. You don't have no idea who's listening. And it, it's so rewarding when you talk to someone and they say, you know, we I used to listen to this when I'm running. We listen to it uh, in the leadership meetings or, you know, I've been following you from the start or something like that. So that is so rewarding. And if you have you know any stories what's your best memories from from the sas nordic sassiest podcast please let us know it, it you know gives so much energy to us to to hear those stories all in all it's been just a fantastic upside and of course though there's been a few hiccups here and there and i mean i'm the first one to admit here that being the rookie here in the podcast world and we use different type of platform in the beginning where we recorded sound locally and so on and there was like you know a few things you had to click play record on and so on i mean there's maybe a few episodes that were delayed or maybe not even aired because yours truly here forgot to click the record button you remember that thomas yeah sounds familiar <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't happened that often and and you know sometimes uh, just things that happens right right uh, maybe you get the nosebleed in the middle of the show or or you say something hilarious and you almost need to you know stop the recording i mean we, we almost want we almost need to tell people like you, you remember by heart which episode that was like there was one episode where at the very beginning in that episode Thomas gets a nosebleed. Yeah. And then in a weird way, instead of thinking like, oh no, Thomas, you have a nosebleed, me and the person we're interviewing, we just burst out laughing. Yeah, and then you put out a video on LinkedIn, like here's my bleeding <laughs> colleague on air. <laughs> yeah. But I think that just goes to show that, you know, everything we do is it's unscripted. It's a little bit raw. We don't want to be super formal. We want people to come in here and feel super relaxed with what we do yeah well moving forward what what, what is in the future for sassiest i think we're going to continue with uh, on the same beaten path we just have a different name now but we're still going to continue to provide that forum where you guys SaaS operators can learn from each other 
It's very much about the community and this peer-to-peer knowledge. And we will try to be that, you know, spider in the web. I know that sounds like a cliche, but that's really what we do. The dollar doesn't sit necessarily with you and I, Thomas. It's in the community. I know you, you have done a lot of work here to get the community together. And maybe you can tell people about some of the initiatives that are upcoming here. Sure. I mean, we're doing different things. We're doing things that are open for everyone working in a B2B SaaS company. So uh, we have the, the Slack community uh, where you can discuss all kinds of SaaS related topics. We have the um, open meetups. So uh, later this year, we will be in Copenhagen at Cookie Information and we'll be at my news desk in Stockholm. So look out for those invitations to those um, social afterworks. Um, then we have our network groups. Uh, we have the executive networks and the female founders, the 10 different disciplines or verticals. And we have the CEO network with 110 B2B SaaS CEOs. And in total, we do a couple of hundred, I think 200 plus network meetings throughout the year. And that is an amazing experience uh, to be a part of. And beside that, of course, it's the Sassiest events. And we are closing in on Sassiest Digital 2023 on September 27th. It's free for everyone. And we have some great lineup of speakers. You shouldn't miss it. Head over to sassiestdigital2023.com and sign up today. But also already, book your calendars for next year, Celsius 2024, April 15th through 17th. It's the primer, the largest and the most sassiest conference here in the Nordics. And uh, you should really come to Malmö those days and uh, be a part of the community and just have a fantastic few days. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, a milestone like this needs to be celebrated. And we celebrate a little bit with a cake. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you couldn't enjoy the delicious cake we had. But we want you to interact with us. We always appreciate if you reach out. You know, we answer each and every email that is sent to us, each and every DM that is sent to us. And Thomas, like, we should hook some people up. Some, If we run a little bit of a raffle, you want to get some of the cool new sassiest swag, reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I would say like this. If you reach out to us, and if you send us our address, you will get some swag back. Boom. Boom. Swag to the people. Swag to the people. So send your email to contact at sassiest.com. Don't forget to add your address and maybe also a testimonial why you are listening to the Sassiest podcast. That's right. (laughs) So send us an email, give us um, sort of a testimonial, and you will get some swag to your address. Excellent. Well, we hope you continue with us for the next upcoming 100 episodes and you'll find us just where you used to find us. So don't worry, we'll still pop up in your podcast player. Yeah, appreciate that you are a part of this and uh, see you around. Take care.